And now, Dan Happel's Connecting the Dots. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away. The men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Well, good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Apple and. We, we really have a, a change in venue today, and I have uh, Trevor Loudon agreed to join us, and I really appreciate you being here, Trevor. Uh, is Trevor's been a friend for quite a long time. I, I uh, was thinking back, and I think I met you at our first, when you were on your first book tour in the United States, I met you in... Uh, Bozeman, Montana. I'm going to say it was probably about 2008 or 2009. It was really early. And yeah, it might have been 2010, 11. I'm not sure, but it was. Yes, it was when we were both very young men, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Neither one of us had any gray hair then. <laughs> yeah, we still had yeah, that was it. Well, uh, we had uh, Colonel uh, Doug McGregor was uh, uh, scheduled to join us with uh, Julian Engel. We had a program scheduled to talk about Russia-Ukraine. And uh, I sent out a newsletter yesterday, as I always do before my uh, my uh, two podcasts on uh, Patriot Soapbox. And uh, Trevor, you responded quite quickly to that. And uh, I want to make sure that we hear all sides of the story, because as you well know, my whole life is all about gleaning truth and being as objective and honest about uh, things going on in the world as I possibly can be. And uh, I pray every night that that is uh, what God brings to me is is clarity and truth so that I can really understand what's going on in the world. Anyway, uh, that being said, um, Doug McGregor and, and Juliet both uh, ha- had to bow out today. Uh, and they did that before uh, before I had the conversation with you. So it worked out fairly well. I didn't realize it, but uh, Colonel McGregor uh, had some kind of a very uh, serious uh, personal family issue come up, and he had to uh, uh, cancel, said that he wouldn't be able to get back until sometime next month. And uh, Juliet had surgery yesterday on her wrist, and um, she uh, contacted me, said, Dan, I really don't feel that great. 
um, would it be okay if I bowed out? So I guess we've got a two-man discussion here, Trevor, but let's, let's talk about international communism. That's something that you've been tuning in uh, for the last 15 years. That's been your life, kind of like, pretty much like it's been mine. I mean, I recognize that communism is in the center of all this stuff, but even more so now, they are tied in with globalism, which is even more disgustingly evil. And uh, we just need to make sure that we expose all this stuff. So, Trevor, welcome to the program. Well, thanks very much, Dan, and thanks for giving me the opportunity. It's, it's always good to catch up. Well, it is. It's been a while. I think we probably, last time we talked was maybe a little over a year ago. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, where are you at right now? Are you in Florida again? Yeah, yeah. Um, I live in Florida. I'm here for the, the family, the fishing, and the freedom. Uh -huh. You know, so it's it's a good place to be. Yeah, well, it is. And uh, frankly, what's going on in uh, New Zealand right now in Kiwi country with uh, your uh, so-called prime minister there and some of the other things going on, uh, you're probably, even though, even though things are getting weird all over the world, they're not quite as weird in Florida as they are in other parts of the world. Yeah, we're a bit of a bastion here. And, and uh, speaking of New Zealand, we got rid of what well, Jacinda Ardern, the Marxist, who imposed the horrible COVID restrictions. She's gone. She's now in Harvard working on cutting our free speech across the world. Then briefly, we had a Maoist prime minister, Chris Hipkins, who's completely in bed with China. And uh, he just lost an election resoundingly and now we have a new co conservative coalition that's just taken, um, you know, just come in about a month ago. So, so I'm hoping things will improve pretty dramatically. I know they'll improve to some degree, but it's a matter of how much. But we had two two Marxist pre prime ministers in a row, so uh, we we couldn't handle a third one. Well, Trevor, I I think we've got. Uh, I've been telling people this now for a while, but uh, I think we saw a tipping point about a year and a half, two years ago. The COVID thing really brought out uh, uh, an independence movement worldwide. And I think Absolutely. people are sick yeah. of this crap and they're starting to realize that we've got nothing but a bunch of technocrats and uh, people who want to control everything we do uh, that have taken over governments worldwide. And now we're trying to search out the, the the freedom that we need. And so I think we've reached that tipping point. And I see uh, very positive things happening uh, in this country, certainly, and I think worldwide. Yeah, I think the COVID in some ways did us a great favor because people saw communism or globalism up front and they didn't like it. And they, they sat at home reading the kids' school textbooks in horror watching their elections stolen, watching a Chinese operation, Black Lives Matter, burn cities, burn cities down all over the country with no consequences. And finally, Americans, millions of Americans, have finally realized we could lose this country. And all over the world, resistance movements are springing up. So this is really the battle. It's the, the common people versus the elites. That's what it's about. And the common people, have seen what the elites want for us and they do not want it. 
Well, Trevor, as a matter of fact, I mean, I know the odds are in our favor, even though there's a bunch of blindly ignorant and sometimes brainwashed people out there. We definitely have the numbers on our side. And, you know, yeah, with a majority. Yeah, if we stand up, we can win this battle very easily. So, um, anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's all right. It's just a bit of, every time I do this, they mow the lawns outside and it's really <laughs> aggravating. I hope you don't hear it too much. It, it should go away in a minute. Um, well, Wait, uh, Trevor, wait until my uh, my daughter's dog, uh, uh, Labrador, by the name of Elvis Pupsley, starts howling. Uh, then you'll see what I have to deal with. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, the, you, you're absolutely right. It's a battle now between uh, the common people who are beginning to realize, and it's all about education. That's why I want you and I wanted Juliet and Colonel McGregor, I want as many people to come on and talk to our listeners so that we really honestly understand the the depth of the problem and what we need to do to, to take our country and our world back. And I know you feel the same way. Yeah, well, I hope I can give you my perspective on this. And we talk about Ukraine, you know, the, the first casualty of war, as they say, is truth. And so a lot of people are very, very, don't really know what to think about the issue. Is it an important issue? Should we even be concerned about it? Um, so, so, yeah, th there's a lot of information on both sides and it's very hard to sort out. So I, I hope to give my perspective on how important this war is and who has to win it. Okay, well, good. I'm I'm um, I'm looking forward to that perspective. Let's start with um, first of all. I would like to get from you a um, a kind of a good summary of where we're at right now in the United States, because most of our we have an international audience, but uh, most of our listeners are uh, Americans. And even a lot of them are expats that are living overseas, but they tune in this program. Um, where are we at right now in the battle to try to take our government back? Because we have, obviously, we have stolen elections. We have a, uh, a federal uh, law enforcement, including FBI, CIA, NSA, Justice Department, a lot of things have been weaponized against the American people. Where are we in uh, battling back and making a difference in getting our, our country back? Well, it's worse than we think, but it's better than we think. You know, we're in a communist revolution. I, I don't mean liberal revolution, progressive revolution, even social. We are in a communist revolution. You know, the Biden administration is communist. Almost all of Biden's cabinet secretaries of Chinese back, uh, co Chinese communist backgrounds, Maoist backgrounds, you know, grand, um, you know, especially Julie Su, acting, acting Secretary of Labor, Deb Haaland, uh, Secretary of the Interior. And on the national front, they're trying to consolidate total power and destroy their enemies, people like Trump, et cetera. Um, they're coming down uh, on every way. They're trying to destroy us internationally and domestically, trying to uh, alienate our allies, trying to get us entangled in things we shouldn't be entangled in. And and 
and, and come down on on the conservatives, and the and the opposite to that, the COVID um, and and other events has made millions of Americans wake up. I tour all over the country speaking. Everywhere I go, there's new Moms for Liberty groups, there's grassroots groups, Christian groups getting involved in politics, young people joining conservative groups, joining the trying to take over the GOP in certain areas. So there's a real ferment, a real enthusiasm for Trump out there. You've got a lot of enthusiasm for DeSantis as well. Um, and, and, and so you have a real movement. You know, the bad guys are getting badder and the good guys are getting organized. And so it's, it's coming to a climax. And uh, with, with, God, with some God's help, I, I think we've got a chance of pulling this off and turning this around. But it is not... We should not be just thinking this is the old Republican Democrat game. This is this is a communist takeover that we're going through right now, and it's. Mm -hmm. I, I write books about this. You know, my books, security risk senators. I profile thirty currently serving U.S. senators with with deep Marxist connections. I've got a new series out called House on Americans. I'm profiling a hundred members of the U.S. House who are basically communists working with Communist Party USA, Democratic Socialists of America, radical Islamic groups, the Chinese, even the North Koreans in some cases. So we're in a revolution, but the people are more active now than they have been. This is what's happening out there now is bigger than the Tea Party, but the media won't tell us about it because they made a big mistake by publicizing the Tea Party and made it grow well, that Tea Party's still there, but now there's a whole cohort of younger people, people with kids in school, people who read their kids' school textbooks during COVID who are now getting active. So, yeah, it's a very exciting time to be alive and um, dangerous time, but an exciting time. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And um, what you're talking about, this, uh, this change, this tipping point, um, it's happening uh, primarily. I think the women are the ones that are that are promoting this movement, and I, I see that through the the mother bear complex with their children in the school system because they recognize that our education system now is almost a hundred percent woke communist crap propaganda, and it's also happening uh, through our churches and through. Uh, spirituality. Uh, people are starting to realize that uh, not only are we in a battle between uh, communists and, uh, well, I would call them free market capitalists, we're in a battle of good and evil. And a lot yeah. of people are recognizing that the church has uh, allowed a lot of this nonsense to happen, and it's time to take our church back as well. Yeah, look, and that's why we did our movie Enemies Within the Church, to expose the wokeism and the Marxism in the churches and the, and the pansy church. You know, the let's just be nice to everybody and let's just not fight back. You know, like a, a Christian should be opposing evil. And, you know, for, for what I you know, what's the verse? For he who knows the right thing to do but does not do it, for him it is a sin. So by not standing for America, by not trying to take America back, you're a pastor who won't stand for America. You are sinning. You're, you're a sinful pastor. 
And so you have to be either change, repent and change or be replaced. And so we're seeing that. But I, I think, you know, the greatest victories come from the darkest times, because as you say, when times are easy, people tend to gloss over the spiritual side of life. But when times are hard, people have to actually search. They're looking for truth. They're looking for that spiritual foundation. And, and you know, I've been thinking a lot lately between the links between faith and courage, because what we're going to need to get out of this is lots of courage to tell the truth. But courage comes from faith. If you have enough faith, you'll have courage in abundance. If you are fearful and timid, it's because you haven't got a deep enough faith. Because if you really believe what you should believe, you won't be scared of the school board. You won't be scared of the, the council or the Chinese or ridicule or not being invited to the Christmas party. If you really believe in eternity, you, you will stand strong because eternity is a lot longer than the next election cycle or the term of our natural life. You know, that's, that's why I say faith and courage go together to get out of this. We need courage because courage is proof of faith and faith pleases God. And we're going to need God's help. Absolutely. And, and uh, I, I agree with you completely. If you have faith, there is absolutely nothing that you should be fearful of because the loss of this body and this life is nothing. I mean, that, that may be something to look forward to in truth. Uh, we don't know, but I do know this, that I have the faith that, uh, you know, God's protecting us. If we believe what he is giving us and do his work, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Look, look, if you, if you, uh, if you're doing what, Look, Dennis Prager, I heard him speak a while ago. He's a Jew Jewish academic. Very, he's very been on our show. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, well, he's great. Well, he said this at a speech at Naples. He said, people are always asking for hope. He says, people always say, give us some hope. Because, like, I paint a pretty, pretty bleak picture sometimes, and so does Dennis. But he says, it's not hope we should be looking for. It is, are we doing God's will? Because if you're doing what you know to be right— if you're doing God's will, you sleep very easy at night. You know, it doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen to you. But if you are doing what is right, you know it's going to turn out for the best in the end. The best possible outcome will come through, whether that's in this lifetime or, or in eternity. So it is not, forget about this hope thing. Just do what you should be doing, and you'll be so tired at the end of every night you won't be lying awake asleep. You know, you'll be you'll be you'll go to sleep with a clean conscience, and you'll wake up rearing for the next mm. day. You'll be a happy warrior, and we need lots of happy warriors right now. I agree, and I my wife says I can't believe how fast you can fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, well, you 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 sleep with a clean conscience, isn't it? You know. That's what You're it doing is. what you should be doing, so you yeah. don't lie. You don't lie awake fretting every night. Well, I usually end up uh, uh, going to sleep in the middle of a prayer. As a matter of fact, so <laughs> well, that's the way, way it works. You just keep day. praying. Yeah, it's a great way. <laughs> anyway, let, uh, what can uh, what can we expect uh, to continue to happen in this country? Uh, under the current leadership before we start taking things back 
And how do you see the American people? And I'm going to ask this quite honestly, people like uh, 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 Donald Trump or, um, you know, uh, um, well, I'm not sure if this, he's in the mix or not, but uh, Governor DeSantis, how they figure in the taking back of our country. Well, look, we've got two good, good leaders out there, and Trump's by far away the favorite right now. But they, they're going to do, and when I say they, basically I mean the communists. This, this is the people who control the Democratic Party, much of the media, um, very heavily under Chinese influence. Most of this goes back to China. And they're going to do everything they can to stop Trump. They haven't put their full attention on DeSantis right now because they don't see him as such a big threat. They see him as a threat if he got power. They are very scared of him. But they see Trump way ahead in the polls right now. So it's all focused on Trump, and they've been they've been able to get Trump in certain legal, you know, time up and legal knots, et cetera. So that's going to accelerate. I think they're going to push. I think we're going to see violence breaking out in the next few months. Um, we've got a whole bunch of uh, Chinese operatives coming across the southern border, Hezbollah, Hamas, etc. All this is tied together. We're in a revolution, and it's going to start going kinetic, and that includes on American soil. I'm, I'm, I hate to say this, but I think mm -hmm. if we don't see violence between now and the next election, I'll be shocked. I, I pray that I'm wrong. But I'll be shocked if we don't. We should all prepare for that. We should all, and the churches and that, we should have networks, civil defense networks. We should be liaising with local sheriffs. How do we help you if violence breaks out in this county, if there's a sabotage event, if there's a, a mass shooting, if a reservoir gets poisoned? How do we liaise with the civil authorities to try and restore order and keep order? Every church, everybody should be doing that in their communities now. We should be preparing for the worst because I think it's going to get worse before it gets better because the left understands that if they lose the next election, a whole bunch of them are going to jail and their organization is going to be wiped out. Both Trump and DeSantis will wipe out much of what we know as the left today. Not, No, he's not going to arrest them. He's going to defund them. He's going to calls, you know, start prosecuting certain people. So they're very scared. They've committed felonies. They have committed real felonies on American soil, and they want to keep power, A, for the glory of it, and B, so they don't get destroyed and prosecuted, you know, so they don't end up there in, in their last days in Leavenworth. So it's a really high-stakes game we're playing with here. And the left will pull no nothing. They will pull nothing away. So I'm glad DeSantis is in the race because right now we need a plan B. Mm -hmm. Seriously, I agree. I, I agree. You know, I agree. You know um, we, we we you know I love Trump. He's a great man, but we can't put all our eggs in one basket. Simple as that. I agree. I agree. And um, Ron DeSantis, I've uh, supported him in the past. I send him money because um, I believe that he is uh, probably, if I could say this, a, a, a cleaner image as a, um, a politician than Donald Trump. I believe Donald Trump is a good man and doing uh, what he believes is in the best interest of the United States, but he has that New York 
attitude. Yeah, and it well, hurts well, him. Yeah. Well, he's got that attitude. And, and if you're in business for 30 years in New York, you got to deal with some unsavory characters sometimes. And, and that can be, that can come back to bite you occasionally. So, yeah, well, I love Trump, but he's got his issues. He'll probably be the Republican candidate, but we cannot guarantee that. And um, I, I hate to see this slagging off between the Trump and DeSantis uh, camps. We need both those men in public office in this country. We need, we need both of them, and we should be uh, not make the same mistake we made in the Ted Cruz versus Trump, you know, Mm-hmm. Think well, this is about America here. This is about the survival of the West, and we've got a couple of champions. One's going to win the race, but both of them are going to play a role in this country's future. Whoever wins the race. Well, I, I really see this, and I've said this as long as I've uh, been following DeSantis. I think DeSantis and Trump ought to run as a team, and I think. Oh. What a what I mean that wins so damn handily it wouldn't even be uh, a contest. Look, I, I've been dreaming about that for a while and until a friend of mine told me he said he said two two candidates pre- president and vice president can't run from the same state, and I didn't believe that. And then he showed me this clause in the Constitution. So um, unless it was a fake clause that's been added, I don't know. But yes, um, maybe Trump could move back to New York while the campaign's on. So I don't don't know. But um, I don't know if that is a real complication or not. But yes, that would be that would be a dream team for me. Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Trump running, DeSantis is his VP candidate. Trump does four years because he's not going to do two more terms. Uh, he does four years and hands it on to DeSantis. That would be the ideal scenario. Well, and I think uh, Trump got a lot smarter after his first term because he left a lot of Obama uh, appointees yeah, yeah. in office. And, I mean, he had uh, he had so much sabotage going on during his administration from uh, Obama holdovers I mean, you cannot leave. I've said this my whole life. I think I mentioned this to you. My dad was a card-carrying communist. I understand how communists think. You cannot negotiate with communists. You just cannot negotiate with them. They understand one thing, and that's winning. And unless they're winning, there's no uh, no way they're going to allow anybody to uh, get anything unless it's incrementally that they can keep doing what they're doing. And yeah. so you don't negotiate with the communists. No, well, I, I knew a friend who was a, a an infiltrator into the Communist Party, and he said, he, this is what he said, this is how communists approach negotiation. What's mine is mine, what's yours is negotiable. They <laughs> never give up an inch but they'll make you give up what you have. And so, yeah, we're in a, we, we, we have to accept the reality. We're in a communist revolution. This is not going to get better by itself. This is going to get better because we make it better. We all get involved. And with God's help, we can defeat them. We have to defeat communism decisively in this country in our time, in the world in our time. This is, this is the decisive battle of our time. This is how good versus evil is playing out for us now. And until we recognize that we're in that war and recognize that we have to win it, we're always going to be at a huge disadvantage. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, so you see, how do you see this uh, next election uh, turning out? Because I, I think all of us understand that the uh, election process, because of the computer voting, motor voter, uh, all the uh, remote ballot boxes and all the other crap that these uh, progressives have put into play, and the fact that we've got a big tech that are funding a lot of this stuff, you know, people like Zuckerberg uh, that are funding a lot of these crazy programs, we've got a real problem. Do you think we can actually, uh, will actually yeah. see a real election? Well, this is the central question, isn't it? And this is what I hear all the time. Now, here's my argument. Yes, there's massive cheating. Yes, there is, um, the, the Chinese have vote for, uh, uh, voter registration networks all over the country. They have these organizations like Black Leaders Organizing Communities in Wisconsin, New Georgia Project, Florida Rising. These are communist-run um, loyal to China voter registration organizations which flip states, like New Virginia Majority, which flipped Virginia. Well, yes, I understand this vote fraud, absolutely. But this is the thing. I think Trump's election was a miracle, okay? I don't think the age of miracles is over. And But people had to work really, really, really hard to, to win. You know, people had to work to make that miracle. We had to do our part. And and just like David versus Goliath, you know, David, I'm, I've got no doubt God guided the rock that smote Goliath, but David had to stand up and throw it, right? God mm-hmm. couldn't use a rock that had never been thrown. Well, he could, but he, you know, we have to do our part. So I, I think I think the the the... Voter registra- voter fraud, it's not exaggerated so much, but it's not quite as omnipotent as we think it is. I read the left's literature all the time. They are seriously thinking they're going to lose this next election. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to understand, they, they are as scared about this election as we are. They are hoping we will be dispirited and don't vote. But Trump's right. To win by 51%, we've got to win by 61%. Mm-hmm. But I think if the base gets active and organized, yes, we can still win. Um, DeSantis has gone after vote fraud in Florida. He's prosecuted people. That's why DeSantis had a red wave when nobody else did. Um, and and other voter integrity measures have taken part around the country. So, yes, we have a chance, but we're going to need God's help, but we've got to stand up. So, to those who say, no, we can't win, it's hopeless, I say, where is your faith gone? Do you really mm-hmm. think God wants this country lost? I think they're going to have to be miracles happen to win that election. But if we stand up, if we are brave and bold and don't give up hope and, and stand, we, we, we can win because we will, we will see miraculous things happen that maybe we didn't expect. Maybe revelations will come out at the last moment. Maybe scandals will erupt on the other side. Um, who knows? But when did you ever see God help a bunch of losers, a bunch mm-hmm. of quitters? When is that? You don't see many examples of that in the Bible. You know, Gideon's army versus the horde, you know, 
Um, I want a thousand. No, you can't have a thousand. Oh, give me eight hundred. No, you can't have that. Three hundred. That's all you get. The point there was you don't need everybody. You don't even need a majority. You just need a committed, faithful, courageous few, and that will carry the day. Many times, a, a city was spared because, spared because of a few right, a few righteous people, a half a dozen righteous people. We've got more than that in America. So if we stand up, yes, we can win this. Yeah, and we're seeing things happen. Legislatures are uh, doing things to try to clean up the voter rolls. Uh, we're, we're seeing it. We're experiencing it in Montana. We yeah. actually did not realize, but we had a lot of fraud in Montana yeah. as well. And uh, our Republican Party in Madison County uh, went to the county clerk, said, we want a copy of all the voters uh, in the district. Well, we got this voter roll, and out of 60 people that we that we observed or gleaned, 59 of them were wrong. 59 of them were in completely wrong addresses. And so obviously, we've got a problem. We're taking that now uh, to the Secretary of State, and we're going to demand that all the uh, counties in Montana, that they clear the voter rolls and they check the voter rolls for fraud and yeah. get rid of all the dead people who are voting and all the people that uh, are living in other states that are still voting here. I mean, there's so much crap going on, Trevor, and it's up to us to be the ones to sort it out because yeah, they're this not is going to be a grassroots thing because the, the GOP at the top doesn't want to deal with it. You know, uh -uh. they say, oh, there's no evidence. There's evidence everywhere. Look, the, the Democrats sold guns to the Mexican cartels. The Democrats set the IRS on the, on the Tea Party totally illegally. The Democrats weaponized the FBI and the Justice Department against a sitting president and committed felonies in the process, but they would never commit vote fraud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's mm -hmm. what, what, If you were facing jail, if you lost the next election, would you be tempted to fiddle the voting? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. where, where you got unions, you got vote fraud. And Montana's got its share of unions. They also mm -hmm. work heavily on the Indian reservations there. So, yeah, yeah, there's absolute corruption. If we had clean elections and the Republican Party actually started to be more of a social conservative party, we should win 70 percent of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I refer to the uh, uh, Republican Party as the Republicans and the, and the Democrats, uh, because in truth, we've got a one-party system that are the establishment. And then there's the good ones out there. And, and you've certainly uh, probably run into my good friend and our uh, congressman from Montana, Matt Rosendale. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt is a good friend of mine. And I, you know, boy, you talk about a clean, a clean voting record. It doesn't get any better. Yeah. Louis, we have got, We've got some heroes out there that are coming through. And, and when one thing that was great, too, is that when the uh, 20 Republicans stood up and hammered um, Kevin McCarthy, you know, one of the concessions they got is that the Speaker can no longer put money into primaries. 
because what the, 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 the rhino speakers would do would fund rhino candidates and not fund conservative candidates. Well, I can't do that now. So going forward, we're going to have a lot more Matt Rosendales and a lot less, um, you know, loser Republicans. So that's hopeful for the future. If we can get through the next couple of years, I think we've got a pretty rosy future here. I do too. I do too. And and we're we're seeing what you're talking about is happening right now in the uh, Montana Senate race, where the governor and the uh, sitting senator have already endorsed a candidate uh, for the other Senate seat against uh, uh, Tester, against John Tester. Yeah, right. that is wrong. And and quite honestly. Um, I'm concerned that the candidate that they picked is just another one of the progressive uh, conservatives that you're talking about. I absolutely yeah. believe that. We've got to get we've got to get the money out of the system uh, before the primary elections because uh, they're already spending millions of dollars on protester and pro. Um, well, this other candidate, I'm not going to mention his name. Um, and, you know, we're a year away from the campaign. They're making people sick of this crap already by all this yeah. nonsense. Yeah, but test, test is in trouble. If, if, if we can get organized, Tester will lose. Yeah. You know, that will be gone because it's just a disgrace that Montana should have a, a socialist like him as a senator. Mm -hmm. He started out relatively moderate, but he is fully in bed with the socialists now. Well, he is, and I've had to deal with him uh, when I was a county commissioner on, uh, you know, the wildlife and the uh, Agenda 21 issues. He's 100% on board with that crap. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, he gets funded by all these Marxist organizations that call themselves sportsman organizations, uh, the green decoys. You're very familiar with that term in Montana. We've got green decoys. They uh, they pretend they're sportsmen and environmental groups, and they're really just a bunch of socialists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's right. Montana's a big target. You know, um, they got Colorado. They want to get Montana next, and they want to. They want to make Montana like Missoula, you know. They want, <laughs> yeah. they want to make the whole state like Missoula. Well, as a matter of fact, you mentioned this, but I've got uh, I've got on my website, Trevor. I've got copies of four canceled checks that were written by the De uh, Montana Democratic Party uh, on the Indian reservations to buy votes for Tester. Mm. Uh, I've got four of those checks on my website because one of uh, our guests and one he's a friend of mine uh, ran the uh, Custer Museum, and uh, oh yeah 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 I know who you're talking about yeah yeah he he uh, he get, he's been on the show but he disclosed the fact that they they and they came in the uh, the Native Americans that got these checks came in and they tried to cash them well they did cash them in his business. And guess what happened? Then uh, the uh, uh, ATF came in and uh, 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 with the BLM and they attacked his uh, his museum. They actually had everybody on the floor 
uh, and they were uh, saying that he sold illegal Indian feathers or eagle feathers uh, and all kinds of crap just to try to shut him up because he was exposing the fact that Tester had gotten uh, votes from Indians were getting paid for his votes. Yeah. Well, I also know that Judith LeBlanc of the Communist Party USA, she was the woman who organized the protests against the Dakota Access Pipeline. You know, the Biden shut it down first thing he did when he came to office. Those protests were organized by Judith LeBlanc. She is a Central Committee member of the Communist Party USA, Native Organizers Alliance. She did a lot of work in Montana and Nevada and Arizona and Minnesota and New Mexico before the last election to get out the vote for Biden-Harris. So you had a card-carrying communist, basically an agent of Putin and Xi in Montana getting out the Native American vote, because they normally lean heavily Democrat, but they don't normally vote in big numbers. Well, she was in there getting them out. And she was then able to put her very close friend, a fellow Marxist, Deb Haaland as Secretary of the Interior, who now has oversight over much of Montana. You know how much public land is in Montana. So, so, De- so Judith LeBlanc was interfering in your elections, and then she mounted a campaign to get her very good friend, Ju- Deb Haaland, as Secretary of the Interior, who has then cut every single energy lease she possibly can um, shut down uranium mining in Colorado, closed off most of Alaska to drilling. She is Her job is to destroy America's energy industry to the advantage of Russia and China. That's, that's what Deb Haaland's job is. And so there's a lot of foreign interference, even in the elections in, in Montana. Yeah, I think yeah. there is. And let's talk about that now, because uh, I want to talk about what's going on internationally, because that was kind of what uh, prompted your uh, your response to my newsletter. Uh, there's a lot going on internationally. Now, I had uh, Dr. Walid Faris. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, I know. had Yeah, he, he was on with us on Sunday, and what a what a breathtakingly honest man he is, because he talked about how uh, so many of the positive things that were coming out of the Abraham Accord and out of uh, Trump's work in the Middle East that was not intended to uh, create conflict. It was intended to solve conflict yep. and how effective those those programs were. Um, obviously, yep. oh, Biden has gone the opposite way. Well, Biden is funding Iran, which has upset Saudi Arabia. Um, you know, Putin has basically backed Hamas because both Russia and the Biden, Russia and the Biden administration both hate Israel, and they want to destroy the Abrahamic Accords, which was a great success by Trump. You know, to to get Israel working in a more cooperative basis with some of the Muslim nations to, to build peace in the Middle East. Well, that's all. Uh, since the events of October 7, that's all on hold now. You know, it's just blown it up. And that was Biden, who's been funding um, Iran, who's been funding Hamas, has been trying to sabotage Netanyahu for months. 
And it was Putin who I believe actually gave the order to Hamas to go in there to take attention away from Ukraine and uh, to open up a second front against the West. You know, Wagner troops were training Hamas guerrillas in Africa. You know, Hamas went to Moscow three times just before the attacks. They call Russia their best friend, not Iran, Russia. So we focus on Iran being behind this. No, Iran is just a, a puppet of Russia, puppet of Putin, effectively. So, so yeah, people need to understand this: that peace is. We had we had four years of comparative peace under Trump. Putin was in his box. Xi was in his box. Um, the Mullahs were in their box, and Rocket Boy was under control. Now we don't. Now we have basically an enemy agent in the White House. So all the bad guys are going crazy. They're making hay while the sun shines, and it, it, this this is a period that could well lead to World War Three. That's their plan. Their plan is to instigate World War Three, because they don't want Trump or some or DeSantis to come into the White House and start rebuilding alliances and start rebuilding um, America's military. They want to. They want to get us into a war before that. And so that's why they started the attacks. Well, and, and as a matter of fact, your, your uh, statement that uh, Trump kept everybody in their box, and I think that's absolutely true because he was a strong leader who he was a negotiator and he understood making deals. And uh, a lot of the so-called professional politicians, it was his advantage that he was a businessman. The yeah. professional politicians, for the most part, are nothing more than negotiators. That's why most of them are lawyers. Uh, yeah. Lawyers are a perfect fit because all they ever do is negotiate deals. You know, they get their and, uh, their their uh, murder off with uh, five years uh, negotiating a deal. Uh, but he's still Trump, a murderer. Yeah, well, that's what I said. But Trump also negotiated from a position of strength, mm -hmm. and he knows how to bluff. He knows how to be strong. That's not Biden. Do you think Putin or Xi is scared of Biden? You know, do you think they were scared of Obama? You know, who who made the famous phone call? Yes, Mister Putin, I'll be more flexible to negotiate you with you once uh, once I'm reelected. You know, he was talking to his boss. You know, he, he was he was basically saying, when, when he says negotiate, when you negotiate with the communists, you're only giving up stuff. You're only negotiating how much you're going to give up. You don't get anything from them. You just either give up the whole farm or half the farm. That, and that's, that's what we've had, and that's what we're having under Biden. Biden says, I support Israel, I support Israel, but I'm going to give billions of dollars to, to Iran, and I want to fund, give $100 million to Hamas, but I really support you, Israel. Mm. You know, he says, I support Ukraine, I support Ukraine. But he told Putin a limited incursion into Ukraine would not warrant an American response. There was a green light. You know, he mm. slow-walked every bit of aid to Ukraine that he can. They've been fighting for two years. They still don't have fighter jets. They're having to fight in trench positions. No American general would ask their troops to charge, to storm in trench positions without air cover. But that's what the Ukrainians have to do because Biden won't keep his promises. Well, and uh, 
Trevor, you know as well as I do, the, the people who always end up on the short end of things are the common people. Yeah. Uh, so-called leaders are the ones who get us into messes, and uh, the, the common people are always the ones that play, uh, pay the price in blood and, and treasure. That's just the way it works. Um, well, it, it, we're sick of that. This The new era has got to be different. You know, the American Republic changed that paradigm, and we're losing that, and we've got to restore that so the rest of the world can follow suit. I, I, look, we've got to decisively defeat evil in our time. We've got to finish Reagan's job of, of ending the evil empire. And the grass, look, Iran has almost changed leadership twice, once under Obama, once under Biden. The people rose up and almost toppled the regime, but they didn't get any support from America. If, if they'd done that under Trump, Iran would be free today. The Chinese people rose up two years ago over COVID and almost toppled the regime, but they didn't get any help from Biden. But if Trump had been in power, China might be free today. The, the, the people rose up in Cuba a couple of years ago and almost toppled the communist regime in Cuba. And um, Biden wouldn't even accept their refugees. If Trump had been in power, he would have supported them at least morally, and Cuba would be free today. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. You're right. I I uh, completely agree with that. If um, if in fact, and and this is something that's happened in the Middle East right now with uh, Hamas and the different uh, things going on there. A uh, young lady came on. Her name is Giselle. She was she came on with uh, Doctor Ferris. And um, her father, who was a, uh, a Iranian American, he, he was from Iran uh, as an American citizen. Uh, he was writing about the mullahs and about all the things that were going on in Iran right now. And guess what? Uh, they the the uh, uh, Iranian police uh, came over and grabbed him and took him back to, he's in prison now in Iran because of the weak leadership we have in this country. And this young lady has been in front of Congress a number of times, and she's talking about this openly. The, the uh, and I, I refer to him as the old Biden administration, because we both realize who's calling the shots. Yeah, um, the old Biden administration right now, with this additional funding that they're sending to Iran, they're paying for all the things that are now happening, all the rockets, all the the uh, uh, munitions, the the uh, all the things that are going on right now that Iran is pushing around the Middle East are things that we're paying for. Yeah, look, hundred percent. You know, this is what we got to understand. You know, people got call it Biden was was put in place by a pro-Russian um, organization called the Council for Livable World. He was Russia's best friend all through the Cold War. Then he started working with the Iranians, and then he started working with the Chinese about 2001. He's an enemy agent. He is not really helping Ukraine. He is not really helping Israel, and he's not really helping Taiwan, and he's not really helping America. He is he is an enemy agent, and this is why a lot of conservatives 
are very reluctant to support Ukraine because they think, well, Biden's supporting Ukraine, Nancy Pelosi's supporting Ukraine. I can't be on the same side as them. The Ukrainians must be bad if they're supporting them. So we're not going to do it. We're going to stand against that. Biden is not supporting Ukraine. He is slow walking everything. He is... People talk about the $200 billion that's gone to Ukraine. They've actually got roughly just over, just under four, no, just over $30 billion worth of actual aid. That's the figure. There's promises of $100 billion. There's promises of all the other stuff, but the actual hard stuff that's been delivered is, is minuscule compared to what's been promised. The very first shipment of aid to Ukraine from America was pistol ammunition. When they were fighting tanks, Biden sent them pistol ammunition. What all Biden is doing is stringing Ukraine along. He's, got, he's hoping the Republicans, he's, he's fooling the Republicans here. He's hoping the Republicans will cancel aid to Ukraine Ukraine will then collapse. It'll be an international crisis like we've never seen, and he can blame the Republicans in election year. That's that's the trap the Republicans are walking into here, because they've been so um, intimidated by Tucker Carlson and others who say, you know, Ukraine's not our problem, you know, Ukraine's corrupt, Ukraine's this, all Russian talking points. Um, that the people we should be supporting, because that's defending us against the Russians, um, uh, are, are going to be betrayed, but Biden can blame the Republicans for it because it'll be the Republicans who, who, who cut off the aid. And you've already got people who I greatly respect, like uh, Josh Hawley, you know, who are openly calling for this because they do not understand that this war in Ukraine was the opening phase of World War III. This was never about Ukraine. You know, the, the Medvedev, the Russian president, said recently, the purpose of the Ukraine war is to establish a pan-Eurasian homeland stretching from Vladivostok to Lisbon. So from the easternmost city in Siberia to the westernmost city in Europe, it's all going to be under Russian control if Ukraine falls. The whole lot. And then they're talking about taking back Alaska and Hawaii and attacking the attacking the United States. This is my argument. By defending Ukraine properly, we risk a wider war. By not defending Ukraine, we guarantee World War Three. Because if Ukraine falls, China's going to attack the Pacific, Rocket Boy's going to attack South Korea, Iran's going to attack Israel, and, and we're going to have massive incursions over the southern border and terrorist incidents in America. All that's being held in bay right now by 40 million brave Ukrainians. All that is an on hold. We are at peace today because the Ukrainians are standing up. This is the perspective that most American conservatives are either at odds with or, or don't understand. Well, I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought all that up, uh, Trevor, because um, a very dear lady, very dear friend of mine, uh, Juliet Engel, uh, she was a, and I, I wrote you a little note on that, but uh, she's a MK Ultra, CIA MK Ultra uh, sex magic survivor. She was literally 
prostituted from the time she was six years old by her mother and father uh, in the CIA MK Ultra Sex Magic program. She is absolutely outspoken about uh, how the uh, uh, Operation Paperclip and how so many of the things that brought all these influences into our so-called intelligence agencies have taken over. Now, she ended up, she was a medical doctor. She became a um, uh, 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 pediatrician. She is one of the uh, doctors that uh, kind of pioneered the ultrasound uh, pro process. Which, which has saved probably hundreds of thousands of abortions, I'd say. Yep, absolutely. Um, and and she's a very, very dear lady. She really is. She spent 20 years in, uh, well, it started out, she was asked to go to the Soviet Union when it was still the Soviet Union in about 1990 because the hospital system was in such desperate straits. They had... Uh, their infant mortality rate was like 20%. Mm -hmm. uh, it was one of the highest, if not the highest in the world. And she was asked to come over and uh, advise them on ways to improve things. Well, she saw the fall of uh, communism. Now, you and I agree on one thing. I, I, Well, we agree on a lot of things, but one thing we really agree on is the fact that communism never died. Uh, and I really believe that as well. It just went underground. And uh, certainly uh, uh, part of the process was, and they said it openly, to fool the American people into believing that the Cold War was over so that they could continue uh, unabated and have a strong underground uh, system going. But... Juliet also spent a lot of time uh, working in Russia on stopping human trafficking and a number of other things. And her comment to me, and it's part of the reason I, I wrote the, the article that I did, was that uh, the Russian people are worried about America's soul because they have gone back to uh, Christianity. The Russian... Orthodox Church has uh, completely turned around in the last 30 years. And it under Stalin and under the communists, it was totally dead. And now uh, the churches are stronger in Russia than they are in the United States. Well, well, I, 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 okay, I, I get some disputes with that. Um, the Russian Orthodox Church is thriving, but the Russian Orthodox Church is completely controlled by the KGB. The, the Patriarch is a K Kirill, is a KGB agent. He was a KGB agent before he uh, even became became a priest. See, in Russia, the, yes, the Russian people love their Orthodox Church and they are flocking to it, mm -hmm. absolutely. But it is an instrument on... on and, I'm not knocking the Russian Christians. They are, they are genuine Christians. But the church, the, the church has called for the slaughter of Ukrainians. The church is, is sub completely supporting Russia's genocidal war on Ukraine. Um, 
in Russia, since the 90s, they've, they've introduced non-proselytization laws. Now, you can be in the Orthodox Church because that's state-controlled. But if you're a Baptist, if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, if you're a evangelical, you cannot take your kids to church. You can go to church, but you cannot take your children to church until they're 18 and decide themselves. You cannot proselytize outside the church. That's illegal. So, yes, state-controlled churches. And this is what they have sold American Christians, that Putin is a Christian, that Putin is standing against the godlessness of the West, that he's against George Soros, that he's going to stand against with us with the Muslims. This is pure KGB propaganda. Vladimir Putin organized a youth conference in, in Sochi, Russia in 2017, October. Look it up online. You can see it. World Festival of Youth and Students. 30,000 kids. He keynoted it. He told them the future was theirs. Go for it. This was not Christian kids. This was 30,000 young communists. Communist Party USA, Communist Party of Britain, Communist Party of France. It was to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Bolshevik Revolution. And he told them the future was yours. Go for it. You know, the Soviet, the Russian army is flying the red flag again. In Donetsk, they are putting up, they are people's republics in Donetsk and Luhansk. They're closing the Christian churches and putting up statues of Lenin. This is all fact. But you've got millions of American Christians who are now believe that Putin's our guy. He's going to save us from the godless West. It is, they have got hundreds of thousands of people sitting in offices, pumping out this kind of propaganda 24-7. There are three major elements in the Earth's atmosphere right now. There's nitrogen and oxygen and Russian propaganda. And we have to understand that much of it, the bulk of it, is directed at European and American conservatives and Christians to get them to accept what Putin's doing and in some cases even welcome it. The the guy who is in an alliance with communist China, who held the world's greatest military exercise outside St. Petersburg in world history with the Russians and the Chinese, to, to play out a nuclear attack on America now has millions of Europeans and Americans thinking he's our guy, he's our man, and Zelensky's hopelessly corrupt and Iran's hope. Uh, this is all lies. We should understand that Trump went through four, five years of communist propaganda directed at him to the point that half the world now thinks he's a rapist, he called Mexicans rapists. He's a horrible, racist Nazi individual. Well, that same campaign has been played out against Ukraine. And the people who saw through it in America, many of them being fooled by the same campaign now happening against Ukraine. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm glad that we uh, got this discussion. I, I want you to go into some of the, uh, uh, some of the details that... Um, uh, how has the uh, uh, Russian Federation under Putin? How have they uh, been funding groups like Hamas and you know involved with groups like Hamas? 
Um, and, you know, I know that the mullahs in Iran are certainly doing that. Uh, how is that whole process working out? Well, see, well, it's working out pretty well because, see, the mullahs, my friend Claire Lopez was in the CIA. She was an Iranian and Russian specialist. Mm-hmm. In, in Russia, they have the Patrice Lumumba School, which is this training ground for foreign communists. Virtually all of the Iranian leadership trained there. Claire and her friends used to call it KGB tech, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Iran is a puppet of Russia. You know, our State Department likes to play this silly game that it's independent, just like the, they like to say that uh, Rocket Boy is independent in North Korea. You know, they don't do anything the Russians and the Chinese don't tell them to do. So the, the Iran, basic, Iran does what Russia tells it. It's funded by the United States, a lot of it, and then that filters down into Habas and Hezbollah, which, as I said, Hamas has been to Russia, went to Russia. Hamas has been going to Russia since 2006 with regular delegations, meeting with Russian leadership. They went three times last year, including three or four days before the attack, the October 7th attack. Mm. Um, look, it's, it's politicians and uh, members of parliament in Israel have been quite open, saying this is a Russian attack. What we saw was Russia. Because, see, Russia's got a big problem in Ukraine. They thought they'd go in there and they'd take it out in two weeks. There's two years on and they're losing troops like you wouldn't believe. They are, they've lost their, their Navy can't even go in the Black Sea anymore. They have lost half their tank fleet. That, that has been a disaster. But their ace in the hole is, is conservatives in America who will put pressure on their 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 Congress members, not to fund Ukraine any longer. That's where all the war effort is going now. And so the attack on Israel was designed to amp up that narrative. So now Josh Hawley and others say, well, we can't defend Ukraine. We've got to defend our ally Israel. Absolutely, we have to defend Israel. But we've got to understand, Israel and Ukraine are fighting the same enemy. That's Russia, China, Iran, and the Biden administration. Hmm. Those are the enemies of Ukraine. Those are the enemies of Israel. We've got to understand they're working together. Biden is not helping Ukraine. He is... Look, here's the thing that we all forget. We talk about the expansion of NATO, which is, you know, but... In 1994, I think it was, the Budapest Memorandum was signed. That was Bill Clinton, a representative of Yeltsin and the Ukrainian government. Ukraine was forced to give back 800 nuclear weapons they had on their soil, left over from the Soviet Union. They were the third biggest nuclear power in the world. But they... but, but um, Clinton, who was his own Soviet background, made them give all those back to Russia and destroy a lot of their own conventional weaponry so they wouldn't threaten Russia. And put and, and Clinton, the, the quid pro quo was America promised to defend Ukraine's sovereign territory against any Russian aggression, and Russia promised they would never violate Ukraine's sovereign territory. Now, this is, you can say that's, that's Biden, that's, that, was, that was Clinton. 
Well, I, I think international agreements count. And if we force a country, 40 million people, to give up their protection, because Putin would not be invading right now if they still had 800 nuclear weapons, I mm -hmm. guarantee you that. If we force a country to give up their protection to a, an aggressive enemy on the promise of our protection, and then we violate it, what moral standing do we have against our country being attacked? What what, what do you think God thinks of the country that would do that? Mm -hmm. right, yeah. Great point. Great point. And uh, see, that's the thing. There's always all these dirty little fingers <laughs> in everything. I, it's like I put in my newsletter. Uh, there's fingerprints all over everything. And it's always politicians doing the crap under the table that are part of this. Yeah, what do you think about 42 million Ukrainians who are mainly Christian, some Jewish, they're standing up very bravely for the country. Who do American patriots have more, more in common with? Do they have more in common with Ukrainian patriots who threw off a Russian-controlled government? We haven't thrown off our Russian-controlled government yet, who threw off a Russian-controlled government and are standing up for religious liberty and freedom. Do we have more in common with them or with Putin's armies? You tell me whose side we should be on. Well, I'm, I'm, what do you think about the uh, corruptibility, though, of the uh, current uh, um, uh, president of Ukraine? Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, okay. Vladimir Putin is one of the world's richest men. He gets about $200,000 a year, but he's a fortune of billions. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we all heard the other day, we all heard this story. Vladimir Zelensky came to New York and his wife spent up big in Cartier's, right? She spent $1.1 million in Cartier's and she was very rude to one of the shop assistants. And this went all over America. Well, they showed the receipt, you know, at one point they showed the receipt. Problem was the receipt was dated on the 12th of the month, no, the 13th of the month, and um, Zelensky had already left for Canada on the 12th. It came from a Nigerian website. It was Russian disinformation, wow. but millions of Americans believed it. There has been zero credible in credible evidence that Zelensky is personally corrupt. Zero. But, but 50, 60, 70% of American conservatives believe he is mm -hmm. because they, they have been fed this stuff. He's got mansions in, in, in uh, Miami. He's got this. He's got that. There is, you check out the sources. There is no credible source. None. Hmm. This is... Look, during World War One, the British told their people that the Germans were eating babies in Belgium. Oh yeah, yeah. To 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 get people fired up. Mm -hmm. Well, look, this is propaganda. Mm -hmm. Ukraine had a corruption problem, you know, until they threw the Russians out in 2014 after Maidan. This has been a an anti-corruption government. I'm not saying there's no corruption there. Any former East European country is going to have corruption. But New Jersey's corrupt. We're just the senator from New Jersey, Bob Menendez, is being indicted for influence peddling on behalf of Egypt. So that justifies a, a Russian invasion of New Jersey, does it? <laughs> or, you know, 
40 million people in Ukraine who are Christian, decent people, just like America. All they want to do is be free. They weren't threatening anybody. And they weren't persecuting anybody in Donetsk and Luhansk, as people will continually tell you. I know people who lived in those eastern Russian-speaking provinces. There was no persecution at all. Zelensky is really? a Russian speaker. None. Zero. This is a complete Russian lie. Hmm. Complete Russian lie. But, but we have people like Tucker Carlson who echo this. I'll give you another example. They said, Tucker said, Zelensky's clamping down on religious liberty in Ukraine ignoring the massive religious persecution in Russia and the fact that in the occupied territories, they're closing down the churches and putting up Lenin statues. The only thing that Zelensky did was kick out a bunch of Russian Orthodox priests who were working for Russia out of a government leased building. And since that time, he has banned the Russian wing of the Orthodox Church that is directly working for Putin. It is not a religious organization, it's a political organization. Just like during World War II, the Americans clamped down on the German-American Bund and the Nazi fronts operating here, just like they actually interred um, in Britain, they shut down uh, Oswald Mosley's Brit British Union of Fascists. Because during a war, you can't have enemy agents operating on your soil and spying against you. There is complete religious freedom in Ukraine for real religions, but not for the arm of a Russian state posing as a religion. Hmm. So... All this stuff about Zelensky's corruption, not one iota of it's ever been proven. Not saying there's no corruption in Ukraine at all, but this idea that billions are being siphoned off to feed your pension funds and mansions, it's all disinformation. You know, what is going to Ukraine is hardware, you know, built by American workers in factories, rockets, um, you know, ammunition, whatever, and is sent to Ukraine. I'm not saying none of it's ever been siphoned off, but the Ukrainians know they've got a big perception problem with, with corruption, and they are working hard to end it. You know, we, we, we blame Ukraine as being a corrupt country. It was corrupt when the Russians ran it up to 2014. That's when Biden was doing the deals over there. Blaming Zelensky for the corruption of that time is like blaming Trump for the corruption of Obama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, clear, clear. Wow. <clears throat> well, I am really, really glad that we had a chance to have uh, have this discussion. What do you um, what do you see that America? needs to do to get this propaganda campaign completely exposed? Yeah, we need to stop listening to uh, RT, and, and we need to stop uh, listen to Tucker, except when he talks about Ukraine, because he's completely off base on that. Um, we, we need to be very, very discerning here. Just look at the logics of it. How could American Christians and conservatives be backing a regime that is more murdering, torturing, and slaughtering Ukrainian 
Christians who have complete religious liberty and rooting for a country that has no religious liberty is hopelessly corrupt. Russia is way more corrupt than Ukraine. Look, Russia has six times the abortion rate of America. Six times. Way higher divorce rates, way higher alcoholism rates, way higher AIDS rates. But it's being portrayed as this Christian country that's that's going to save us all and as the centre of moral moral righteousness. This is pure propaganda. We need to be very discerning. Mm-hmm. And we need to tell the Republicans the way to go forward is not is not to cut funding to Ukraine, is to shame Biden for his betrayal of Ukraine and his betrayal of Israel by pretending to help them, but actually doing things to help their enemies. That's the way forward here. You got millions of Ukraine. I was up in Pennsylvania for three months in summer. There's Ukrainians everywhere up there, Orthodox churches everywhere. They are super worried. They love Trump, Trump flags everywhere, but they're going to vote for Biden because they think Biden's helping Ukraine and Trump won't come out and make a stand. Oh, wow. Wow. So that's probably two or three million in Pennsylvania and Ohio mm-hmm. who are going to make a difference in key states. The Republican conservatives need to say, we need to end this war on our terms. Ukraine needs to win. The Russian army needs to be defeated. Putin needs to be deposed. That will spark a chain reaction where the mullahs will be deposed. The CCP will be ended and North Korea will probably be freed as well. This is a, if we lose Ukraine, we get World War Three and they probably win. If we win in Ukraine, we have a chance for regime change in Russia, regime change in Iran, regime change in China and North Korea. We can do what Reagan started to end the evil empire. And can you imagine how the world will be with a free Russia, with a free China, with a free Iran, where all those people can contribute to the world rather than working to destroy the world? This is what we should be aiming at. This is, you know, God wants us to defeat evil. The four centers of evil right now are Tehran, Moscow, China, the five centers, Pyongyang, and Washington, D.C., Biden administration. We need to get rid of the Biden administration. We need to get rid of the Putin administration, the Xi administration, the Mullahs, and Rocket Boy. And we can do that by defeating very quickly Russia's army in Ukraine. They can't win there. They're being defeated slowly. If they got the F-16s they were promised and actually aid that they were promised and was committed to under the Budapest Memorandum, they would finish that war real quick and Putin would be ousted not much longer after that. And maybe Navalny, if he's still alive, would be let out of jail and maybe he would be the next president of Russia. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting hypothesis. I uh, I know that you are right about uh, we live in a world of propaganda, and I know you're a truth seeker. I, I don't question that for one second. So uh, you, you've uh, you've created some real thoughtful uh, conversations here. We're going to have uh, have to deal with those. I I would like to have. 
you back at some point when I can get uh, Juliet Engel and uh, uh, Colonel uh, Doug McGregor on because I think you would have. See, you you're here. <laughs> I wish they were here. Yeah, so look, you I'd could, love to debate Doug. You could challenge here. some of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because his points of view are pretty much diametrically opposite mine, and I I think I would. Uh, yeah, I'd love to debate him absolutely. And that challenges up any time because, um, yeah, I think he's a he's a patriot, but I think he's so so misguided on this, and and he's I think he's causing a lot of damage to the country, a lot of damage to Ukraine, that's for sure. Well, I know there's a lot of us that are patriots that uh, are subject to uh, the propaganda. That's why I do this podcast is to get all this information out so that we can determine what is and isn't propaganda. And yeah. Trevor, I've, you know, your, your, uh, your books, I've read your books. I, uh, I know your work and I know how much research you put into it. And uh, there's no question that you have uh, good footnoted documented things that are part of all your research. So uh, I don't question your, information or your uh certainly in your integrity in the process what can uh, i i we we've got to stop this uh this this uh communist propaganda from uh changing people who are, should be our allies into our enemies and and i would i would include uh, then the russian people I yeah, would look. include the the Ukrainian people because the fact is is we're the cannon fodder for these assholes. Yeah, yeah. And look, and look, I, look I, I at don't Agenda Twenty One, yeah. Agenda Twenty One. They tell us they want to eliminate uh, all but a billion people. So a big war or a big genocide is perfect for them. Uh, look, hundred percent. I don't know one one more Russian boy to die in Ukraine. I don't want one more Ukrainian boy. I don't want my son. I don't want your son or grandson fighting these people's wars. But just you'd mentioned Agenda 21. And this, mm -hmm. this sums it up. And in June 2022, they held a big Agenda 2030 conference in Beijing, organized by the youth wing of the Chinese Communist Party. And they had guests from all over the world, almost all young communists, except for the youth wing of Putin's party. Uh, the organizing, the people who organized it were Putin and Xi. They helped organize this conference. It was all about implementing Agenda 2030. And the keynote speaker was Gutierrez of the United Nations and Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. Wow. They were all together. This idea that Russia stands against the globalists. Klaus Schwab and Putin have been friends for nearly 30 years. Klaus Schwab has a bust of Lenin in his office. Mm -hmm. you know, it is mm -hmm. not Russia's going to save us from the globalists. The globalists and the Russians and the Chinese are all in bed together, and so is the Biden administration. What's going to save us is the grassroots people from America and Canada and Britain mm -hmm. and Germany and Ukraine and Russia and China all rising up against the tyrants. We've got a lot more in common with the grassroots guy in Russia 
who just wants to live free and, and raise his family and worship his God. We've got a lot more in common with them than we ever have with Vladimir Putin mm-hmm. or, his, or Xi Jinping or any of those guys or the mullahs. People want the same things. We want a spiritual component to our life. We want a family, a career, a good living so we can provide. And we have got these globalists and communists working together to destroy everything we have because their goal is Satan's dominion on earth. Their goal is to destroy everything that God gave us. So we should be on the side of the grassroots. We should be inside of the the people who want to stand up because their elites are betraying us. And that's elites in America too. So you know, don't get don't be fooled by the idea that Biden is really helping Ukraine. He's not. He's gonna betray them, like he's betraying Israel. We got more in common with the grassroots people of Israel and Ukraine and Russia than we have with Putin or Xi or 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 Joe mm-hmm. Biden. Well, I agree. It's always a very, very small percentage that are the ones uh, dragging us through the mud. Mm. We, you know, the common people, you're right. If we actually stood up and said no more of this crap, the, the common people would be so much better off. Well, they have to confuse us to stop us uniting. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, we have to, you know, like um, if, if we stood up, it's very strong with the people of Israel, very strong with the people of Ukraine. The war would be over pretty soon. Putin would be gone pretty soon. And the grassroots people of, of Russia would finally have a chance to have real freedom, not mock freedom. They went from co- a communist dictator to a semi-communist dictator. You know, Well, well I want to see Russia free. But and, it's not and it- Putin's in control, and Putin's going to stay in control if we let him take Ukraine and let let him take Europe. It'll only get worse if we don't. Look, we should have learned this from Hitler. If we'd stopped Hitler at Sudetenland, there might have been a war, but it wouldn't have been World War II. But we let him take Sudetenland, we let him take Annex Austria, then we let him take Poland, then it was World War III, World War II, it could have been stopped earlier with far less damage. Mm-hmm. We got to learn that same lesson because that's what's happened to that. If we lose Ukraine, we lose Europe, and we will lose America straight afterwards. Because Putin doesn't want to use nukes in Ukraine because it's too close to his own territory. But if he takes Ukraine, he's going to have no compunction about nuking Germany or France or America, none whatsoever. And they have more nukes than we do. It's interesting. Yeah, I know they've got a lot of nukes. We've got an opportunity here to defeat Putin where he can't use nukes, using the Ukrainians to do. All we've got to do is honour the commitments that we made under the Budapest Memorandum, honour that commitment, and Ukraine can defeat Russia, and we will see a very different world. It's not without its risks doing that, but it's a far less risk doing that than, than, than letting Putin take Europe. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I would uh, certainly agree that communism is no doubt our biggest enemy. There's no question. Yeah. But it's it's only our biggest enemy because they're, they're in bed with globalism. Yeah. And something that you said is so incredibly important. We need, we need to realize the way they've accomplished as much as they have is by slicing and dicing, by 
fragmenting society by creating all these divisive uh, subcults, uh, black versus white, green versus gray, you name it. I mean, it, it's on and on and on in uh, creating divisiveness. And that's the number one target of propaganda, is creating yeah, division. Well, Black Lives Matter was a classic example of that. You know, Black Lives Matter was a Chinese operation, 100% through and through. But how many Americans do you think understand that? And what damage they did to race relations in this country and the economy and whatever, and set the stage for the theft of, of, of the election. So, yeah, you know, you, you, you know we've got to stand up for the common people. We've got to stand up for the people fighting tyranny in Brazil, in Israel, in Ukraine. We stand up, at least give them moral support. Mm -hmm. Give our brothers moral support because we're all fighting the same globalist communist enemy. It's very hard to see where communism finishes and globalism ends. It's very, very they are very, very joined at the hip. Mm -hmm. You know, Putin is one of the biggest globalists out there, and he's a communist. Same with well, Xi. And, same and, with uh, communism, like all the isms, are, are only a, a step in the process to globalism. Yeah, all once... communists want a, a global government. Look, I, like, I, I had a friend, okay, who, who trained at Lenin's Institute for Higher Learning in Moscow in 1983. He was there, there when, when inv Reagan invaded Granada to kick the communists out of Granada. And uh, he said the communist tutors, there was 3,500 students there from all over the world. He said the communist tutors said our system doesn't work. Communism doesn't work as we have it in the Soviet Union. It doesn't work. It will only work when it's global, when we can abolish the wage system worldwide and we have a centralized government worldwide. Then communism will work. So that you cannot have communism in one country. Communism is like cancer. It has to keep growing to survive. The minute it stops growing, the internal pressure is going to destroy it. Communism is, is like a global cancer. You know, liberalism is like stage one cancer, uh, social democracy stage two cancer, democratic socialism like Bernie Sanders is stage three cancer, and full-on communism, that's stage four cancer, and that's terminal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well... And, um, you know, the, the fact that uh, <laughs> communism uh, is international socialism, they say that. It's international socialism, and fascism is national socialism. Now, if you look at uh, the establishment Republican Party, what are they? They're national socialists. They well, believe many, many of them are. Yeah, I'm talking the hardcore. We got some, we got some good guys in there, but right, yeah, but right. We, yeah, the leadership, like Mitch McConnell, that's what he is. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. The, this is again the grassroots of the GOP. It's patriotic, conservative, constitutionalist. But the higher you get up, the higher proportion of rhinos you get in there. Right. Exactly. And and I, you look at our Montana. Uh, Republican uh, platform, and I've been involved with the Republican Party for 40 years, um, the Montana Republican platform is so conservative, you can't believe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it says right in there, we want out of the UN. 
you know, we want to get away from all these things. We want to go back to a sound money standard. That's all in our state platform, but that's also the the uh, county central committees. And when you start getting into the elected uh, elected Republicans, hey, they are not what we, and they don't follow the platform. When mm-hmm. I ran for the state chair position in Montana, one of the things that I said was that I, every single Republican serving in office had to go through a two-day constitutional training program. Yeah, yeah. Guess who voted against me uh, at, at the state convention? All the uh, county central committees voted for me. All the politicians voted against me. And what possible reason could they have? If they have to swear an oath to defend the Constitution, what possible reason would they have for not fully understanding what they swear to, to you know? How do exactly. they justify that? Oh, it's too much time. We don't have the time. We already know it already. What do they say? Mm-hmm. Well, what they say is we don't want somebody as conservative as you in there. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is right, you know, and I and I tell you, do you do you have open primaries in Montana? Do you, like, yeah, have- we we do. We've tried to close the primaries. As a matter of fact, a, a good friend of mine and I led the charge to close primaries well, in Montana because well, Democrats vote in in the Republican primaries. Yeah, well, look, look, this is what I this is the main reason. Everywhere I go in the country, you got a very conservative Republican base and they all complain about their elected leadership that it's not conservative enough, it's weak. Well, because most 45 states have open primaries, mm-hmm. meaning Democrats can vote in your primary. So, so you got four candidates, say, running for state rep. You've got a hardcore grassroots conservative, a couple of moderates, and a real wet, weak liberal Republican. Who are the Democrats going to come and vote for in your primary? Mm-hmm. They're going to vote for the loser every single time. That's why Lindsey Graham is still a senator from, from South Carolina. That's mm-hmm. why Lisa Murkowski, who's more left-wing than most Democrats, is still the senator for a very conservative state like Alaska because what they do, they have open primaries. So the communists and the Democrats go around all the Indian re- and Native and uh, Eskimo reservations in Alaska and get them all to vote in the Republican primary for Lisa Murkowski. Mm-hmm. You know, the number one thing that every grassroots Republican activist in this country should be doing while getting winning the election. But the second most important thing is closing the darn primaries. And that means only Republicans can vote in the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. If you're a Baptist, do you, do you let the Muslims choose your pastor? You know, <laughs> if, if, you, yeah. if, you, if you're in the golf club, do you let the tennis club people vote for your executive? Republican mm-hmm. Party's a private organization. It should be for Republicans. But every time you elect someone, even if they're a a relative conservative, they're still more worried about the 10% of Democrats who come and vote in the primary than they are about the 90% of Republicans who do. It dilutes, open primaries dilute conservative influence, dilute Mm -hmm. it tremendously. 
If we had closed primaries, instead of having 30% good conservatives in our legislature, we'd get 60 or 70%. Mm -hmm. It would be a different country. Close the darn primaries. That should be a number one priority in, in your state. And I'm so glad. I've, you're a smart guy. I knew you were. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is the thing I'm saying around the country. Close the primaries because open primaries are how rhinos collude with Democrats to keep conservatives out of office. Well, when we did that, Trevor, uh, guess what? The establishment Republican Party wouldn't support that. We ended up raising all the money to do this and and went to, we ended up in the Ninth Circuit Court over in in San Francisco. And uh, we co-joined with, of all places, the, the state of Hawaii. Because the state of Hawaii, the Democrats over there were as concerned about diluting their party with conservatives as yeah, we were. Democrats such a such a blue state that Republicans join the Democrat Party over there. Right. But, but, but this this is this is this is this is exactly the issue. The rhinos don't want it. Why would the rhinos not want Republicans to choose leaders? Because the rhinos would rather do deals with the Democrats than actually work for their own base. This is the problem. Our problem in America is not that um, the Democrats are so clever or so evil. It's that the Republican leadership is so darn weak. And the big part of that is open primaries. That's what allows that to continue. Mm-hmm. You know, you close the primaries, you'll get a lot more. Re- See, Florida's got closed primaries. That's mm-hmm. why we got Ron DeSantis because the Democrats couldn't go and vote for Adam Putnam, his rhino opponent. So only Republicans could vote in it. And that's why we got Ron DeSantis instead of that loser, Adam Putnam, who would have lost to the communist Andrew Gillum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do, they're they doing it all over the country. That is a huge part of the problem. And and boy, you're identifying all the, all the right buttons here. Um, Guess what? When we took that to the Ninth Circuit, uh, it stopped at the Ninth Circuit because they did not want to deal with that subject. Well, what's the Ninth Circuit? It's one of the most liberal. Well, left is communist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a communist uh, wing of the the Supreme Court, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Ninth Circus is the most Ninth Circuit Circus is the most left wing thing. So, <laughs> but that's what see. This is the National Lawyers Guild and these communist lawyers groups have been stacking, stacking that and many others stacking the legislature around the country, which is why you can't get justice in the courts, and why and then they they elect all these left far left DAs like Larry Krasner in Philadelphia and George Gascon and and. Los Angeles, who let the criminals out because they're revolutionaries. They want criminals on the street because that creates chaos and chaos leads to revolution. So, but you're you're absolutely right. But look, please keep up with that effort. You know, if, if enough Montana Republicans understand the significance of open primaries, like you, you got to see most uh, most Republicans I talk don't even understand the significance of mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. They don't get it. Why is this a problem? Isn't it great to have more people inclusive in our primaries? No. Well, 
<laughs> no, we have more communists in our primary. What are they, who are they going to vote for? Are they going to vote for the guys who support our values or the people who support their values? Mm-hmm. Colorado used to be a closed primary state. About three elections, four election cycles ago, the, the Republican GO, the GOP leadership opened the primaries. That state has gone bluer and bluer and bluer ever since. It's now basically San Francisco and the Rockies mm-hmm. because of open primaries. Don't let that happen to Montana. Well, okay. we lived there. I, I lived there for, you know, I had a business there for 25 years in uh, Golden, Colorado, just outside yeah. of Denver. Where the and mining school is, yeah. I saw that state being flipped and it's exactly like you said uh once they opened up the uh the primaries to both sides it uh they started flipping the state there's a lot of good conservatives in colorado and they can't get anybody elected to office yeah yeah lauren bobbitt's could well lose the next election one of the best ones they have because of uh and look There was a letter in one of the newspapers over there when Lauren Bobble was standing last time in the primary, a letter calling for Democrats to go into the primary and vote against Lauren Bobble. It was a letter in the paper. They used that as they took that, a friend of mine, Randy Corporan, a lawyer in Denver, took that letter as evidence to the state they tried to have a court case to close the primaries again. And they used that letter as evidence. They openly called for Democrats to register as Republicans to vote in the Republican mm-hmm. primary. They do it in Montana well, they, all the they time. Didn't have, they didn't even have to register, just go in and vote. Yeah, just go in and vote. And uh, a, a perfect example of what you're talking about, Madison County, where I live, is one of the most conservative counties in the state. But yet every time we elect a representative uh, they end up getting uh, more and more blue. And mm. that's happened because of the Democrats, knowing that the Democrat candidate's going to lose anyway. Mm. So they don't even bother to vote in uh, any kind of a Democrat primary. They vote in the Republican primary. <laughs> and guess who the last two guys we've had representing uh, Madison County they well, the first one was actually picked by the Democrats to be the candidate, okay? And the and the one that's in there now is uh, you know a a, a milk toast uh, Rhino Republican. He'll vote for transgender uh, bathrooms and crap like that that nobody in Madison County really, really supports. But it's mm. because they've convoluted the primary so badly that the good conservative candidates can't get past the primary. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. So, yeah, I think we both, that's the main problem in the political system in America for conservatives is open primaries in most states um, that is how the left keeps control with in collusion with the rhinos. And and we all know, we both know, Dan, the base is getting more conservative every year. The base is more patriotic, more constitutionalist, more conservative than it's ever been. We've got millions of new people joining the movement now that were sitting at home reading their kids' school textbooks during COVID and watching the city's burns and their election stolen. They're fired up to, to help the country. Mm-hmm. And the problem 
most of them run into is because of those open primaries. They get they get into the GOP or whatever to change things, and the open primaries mean some left wing rhino Republican gets in, and so people give up. People think, yeah. why why bother? Why bother? But if we close the primaries and we're electing 60 or 70% conservatives, that would grow the movement. But Republicans say, oh, we want open primaries because it brings people into the process. Mm. Well, yeah, it brings communists into the process. It brings <laughs> socialists and Marxists and liberal Democrats. Give the base what it wants, and that will grow the movement beyond anything. Why did the move? Why was the movement behind Trump so big? Because he gave the people what they wanted. He mm. kept his word. That's how you grow your movement. Not opening your primaries to any Tom, Dick, and Harry who wants to basically destroy your movement. Mm -hmm. You know, if the Republican Party lived up to its constitution, if the Republican Party lived up to its constitution in Montana, they would win eighty percent of the elections every time. Mm -hmm. They would. They absolutely would. And the same with the National Republican Party. Yes. Their platform is so much more conservative than the typical Republican uh, legislator, candidate, uh, congressperson, senator, whatever. The reason they've gotten away with this crap is, is two reasons. Number one, no term limit, limits and open primaries. You're spot on with that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly, and and uh, I'm glad you're part of. It. Please don't give up on that. Please just we just got to get out there. Is this is the there's no one such shot solution, but open primaries are handicapping us right from the get go, mm -hmm. right from the get go. It's like running a race with one arm tied behind your back, you mm -hmm. know, or one leg. Yeah, unleashed, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, look, it's critical. And I hope people listening will take this to heart. If you want to get a more conservative GOP, don't listen to the rhinos. They, they would rather have Democrats. They would rather be out of power with the Democrats than let conservatives run things. They would. So the open primaries is their way of doing that. And most grassroots Republicans have no clue about this. They don't understand the significance of this. And the rhinos are not going to tell them. The Democrats oh, sure. aren't going to tell them. Mm -hmm. Number one, close your darn primaries. Well, uh, and and when we did that, uh, we were raising we were raising pretty good uh, funds to uh, carry that process forward. Um, I'm going to mention that to uh, my friend Matthew Monfort, and he's, he's an attorney oh, yeah. who was a legislator, and he's the one that carried that uh, forward through the court system. You're right. We can't give up. We've got to continue to push that process because that's exactly how they win. And that's how you get guys like uh, John McCain. And uh, look at the candidates we've had for president, when you when you start talking Mitt Romney and John yeah. McCain, I mean, you couldn't get any lower on the scale than those two guys when it came to uh, understanding what constitutional conservatism is about. Look, I could go to any grassroots Republican branch in the country, and I could find somebody who'd make a better presidential candidate than either of those two. Yeah. You know. 
just I from agree. your local Lee County committee or, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. there are patriots everywhere, but they are stymied from rising up to the ranks because of that open primary system, which which keeps the the colluders in power. And and mm-hmm. this is again, this is old argument: is the grassroots love America, they love God, they love their kids, they love the Constitution, but they can't get their policies pushed forward because of these elitists. Mm-hmm. Well, well, closing the primaries is a big part of ending the elite's control. Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, Trevor, we're almost out of time. I want to, God, this has been a fabulous two hours. I, I have to tell you, buddy, I absolutely love you as a, as a human being and as a great American patriot. And I'm really glad we had this discussion because uh, you brought a perspective uh, into this that I needed to have reinforced, I guess. Well, thanks, Dan. It's, I love these debates because, you know, you've been in this for a long time. You you know the issues. You understand the principles. So we can debate on a certain level that mm-hmm. that um, a lot of hosts, you, you can't really do that. You know, it's more superficial sound bites. But people just want red meat. You know, people want mm-hmm. to debate the real ideas and understand what the real issues are, who our friends are, who our enemies are. So we can win this darn war, <laughs> you know. We, we we owe it to our kids to win this, and we we can't be going to this. Just we're gonna we're gonna contain the evil guys. We're gonna slow down the globalists. No, we have to defeat them. Mm-hmm. Where does it say in any biblical text that we must roll over to these people? Mm-hmm. Where does it yeah. say this? The Old well, Testament all about wise leaders and, and, you know, representative government came out of Moses, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, um, and it's all about bravery. It's all about courage. You know, there's a great little, pa- the, the, the book of revelations at the end, there's a little passage about the groups of people who go to hell at the end of time, get cast into the lake of fire and they have the, the, the liars and the idolaters and the murderers, but the very first people are the cowards mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because cowards have no faith. Cowards believe in nothing beyond themselves. If you have a spiritual foundation and you believe in eternity, why, why are you scared of the school board? You know, why are you scared of the GOP hierarchy? Why are you scared of the Chinese? You know, if you really believe what you say you believe, you will have courage, and courage is what we need now. We are we are perishing because of lack of vision and lack of courage amongst our leadership. Well, if they're not going to lead us, we have to lead ourselves, and and that faith and courage is what we're going to need to carry us through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, tell me, do you have new books in the works? Do you have new projects in the works? Yeah. Uh, look, people can go to my website, trevorloudon.com. I've got my two books, Security Risk Senators, which profiles 30 currently serving U.S. senators, their communist backgrounds. Yeah, this is Chuck Schumer. This is people we see on TV every night that you don't know are communists. And then I've got a book, a series called House Un-Americans. There's going to be six in the series, Two of them are out, and that's dealing with the Congress members. It's going to be 100 Congress members exposed. So, yeah, trevorloudon.com. There's also my movie, Enemies Within the Church, where people have to see that. 
and I'm working on two more books as well at the moment. Mm. One is about a foreign prime minister who is a communist, but, but uh, the other one is about how the Russians and the Chinese basically um, elected Biden-Harris. Good. I'd love to see him. Uh, <clears throat> Trevor, I'm going to I'm going to uh, contact you offline. But if I uh, send you directly the money and the postage, would you uh, would you do me a favor and personalize a couple of copies of those books? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll do that, Dan. For All sure. right. Well, you're you're a. Uh, yeah. This is a great discussion before Christmas. I uh, yeah. I'm I'm glad we got this before Christmas because. We have a Christmas present to give to our people in this country, and that Christmas present is recognizing that Christ is king and that Christmas is about Christ, not about presents. And if we want to create a world that we want to give to our kids and our grandkids, the only way that's going to happen is if we have the courage to stand with our convictions and recognize the fact that our God and Savior is Lord and King of this world. And without us soldiers, us as soldiers, we are going to lose this war because God will not protect those who won't protect themselves. Absolutely. We, to win this war, we've got to have faith in our real commander-in-chief. Mm -hmm. That's that's what we got to have. And if we've got enough faith, we do our part, God will do his part. No, you certainly charged my batteries today, Trevor. Right. I'm, right. I'm tickled. Oh, I'm... It, it energizes me too, Dan. So it's always mm -hmm. good. It's always a two-way flow. Well, I'm going to get online, and incidentally, trevorloudon.com. Go there, order your book, support you, because I know of no one who has done more in the expose of the communists in our government than you. Oh, thank you, Dan. And I, I appreciate it. And as you say, this is this Christmas coming up. This is time to get ready for the new year. But it isn't about presence. It's about deepening our spiritual foundation because we're going to need that going mm -hmm. forward. And I always say the greatest victories come from the darkest times because that's when good people actually get look at the real issues yeah. that's when people really sort out what's important and what isn't and start fighting accordingly well there's a really good quote and i can't remember the name of the gentleman who made it i apologize for that but it's that uh bad times create good men strong men strong men create good times Good times create weak men. Yeah, weak men create bad times. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, well, I think it's about time we broke that cycle. Isn't it? Let's make strong <laughs> men make more strong men. That's what, we get an affluent society, we get a free society, and we get complacent and lazy. But if we appreciate what we have and understand what we have, well, we can we can preserve that cycle. We can we can 
hand on something better to our children than what we came to. And, you know, our ancestors gave us what we have and, and our fathers and, and grandfathers put on uniforms and picked up guns to give us what we have. And our grandmothers and great grandmothers were 16 hour days on farms and munition factories and kept the kids in school and just sacrificed and slaved to give us what we have. Do we not owe it to them to preserve what they gave us? That's exactly right. And maybe it's time for some hard times so that we can start creating some strong men again. And I think those hard times are right around the corner. I, yeah, don't think- I, I think so too, but the stronger we are, the, the shorter it's going to be and the, the quicker we reemerge from it. But uh, yeah, Absolutely. we may have to take that medicine, but, but we should get prepared for that now. And, and uh, I think things are going to get worse before they get better. But if we are strong, things will get better. I agree. I agree. Well, Trevor, thank you for being our guest. It was a whole two hours. Would you mind uh, if I can get uh, Colonel McGregor and Julian Engel uh, scheduled for another time next month, sometime later in the month? Uh, would you join us, please? Because yeah, I really want you to be part of this. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Trevor, thank you, my friend. Uh, as always, it's great to see you, and it's uh, great to talk to a true fa- friend and patriot. Well, always good to see you, Dan, and uh, thanks to the audience for listening. And, uh, yeah, I hope to get back to Montana one day. See well, you, you know, you're always welcome at my place. So, Yep, thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, thanks, sir. Thanks to the production team. Thanks to Thumper and everybody, and uh, we'll see you later. Have a great Christmas, everybody. You have a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Thanks, let's, let's let's pray for the best. From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee, across the plains of Texas, oh, from sea to shining sea. From Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stand and say. today.